Hello and welcome to Raw Fork Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marina Buxov, or just Dr. Book for short. I'm a community pharmacist and an herbalist dedicated to serving my clients in the best way that I know how. I'm bringing you this podcast to share with you like-minded pharmacists and herbalists that want to work alongside each other and share similar visions for patient care. Please enjoy the show. Hi everyone. Earlier this week, I had a tumultuous 24 hours to say the least. Literally had a trial by fire followed by a trial of water, learned some things the hard way and rode an incredibly emotional roller coaster with very little sleep. But through it all, I have been noticing some deep revelations about my priorities, my purpose, and my power. Sometimes we are called to pay attention by drastic events. Sometimes we only catch on through strife. Still, we can rise from the ashes like the legendary phoenix. And so throughout the global crisis and everything that's going on, I had my own personal mini crisis but I am happy to report that things are slowly getting back on track and I am back with the podcast this week with two episodes as promised since I had to take a mental health day last week and didn't post any. So the first episode today um, is with Dr. Anna Garrett who had much wisdom to share from her experience in functional medicine. I had the honor to sit down and chat with her and learn about her clinical pharmacy practice for over 20 years. While traveling her career path, she discovered that working with women in midlife is her true passion. She offers a variety of services, including hormone balancing, weight loss, and health coaching designed to help women in perimenopause and menopause escape from hormone hell and feel amazing in their bodies so they can rock their mojo through midlife and beyond. Dr. Anna is passionate not only about helping women get their hormones balanced, but also about teaching women how to advocate for themselves in the healthcare system. So without further ado, I introduce you to this wonderful episode with Dr. Anna Garrett. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. I have a very special guest today, Dr. Anna Garrett. Um, Welcome to the show, and we're so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. So first of all, could you please give us a little bit of an introduction about where you grew up and where you went to school and how you came to the pharmacy profession? Oh, gosh. (laughs) How long do we have? Um, So I am a native North Carolinian. I live in Asheville right now, but I grew up in Greensboro. And I went to the University of North Carolina three times, not just once. Um, I have a degree in accounting from the first trip around the block. And then I got a BS in pharmacy and then my PharmD. Um, I came to the profession of pharmacy because I was actually working in marketing for Domino's Pizza. And I essentially had gotten as far as I could go with the franchisee that I worked for in Greensboro. And my husband at the time was a pharmacist. And I had lots of friends that were pharmacists. And I was like, well, this seems like a pretty cool job. And um, I had intended to work retail and um, just work part time. This was in the 
I don't know, this was in the eight, late 80s, um, when you know it was really easy to find a job doing exactly what you wanted to do. So I went to pharmacy school and met somebody when I was on rotation who told me about residencies. And she was in the PharmD program and I was in BS. And I was like, well, that sounds really interesting. And so I ended up doing a hospital pharmacy residency. I created my own job as as my residency project in infectious diseases and stayed there for, um, I don't know, seven more years. And then I've kind of branched out into different things from there, but I just kind of got into pharmacy by accident. Wow. Yeah. What a journey. You don't hear about that kind of a journey from anyone. Um, you know, like usually for me, I went into a straight zero to six program and I was kind of locked in there and I was like, all right, like this is my first choice. If I don't like it, I'll transfer out. But you never hear about people trying to like transfer in and especially doing a residency. That's a big commitment. Yeah, and doing a residency with a BS. I mean, back then, PharmD programs were not the entry degree. It became that way while I was in the BS program. But um, yeah, so fortunately, I knew the residency director at this program I wanted to go to, and it had not been accredited yet. And so I just called him up and said, hey, I want to come do this. And he was like, well, just apply. So I did. <laughs> and that was that. And so it was a really big tertiary teaching hospital um, that has a great reputation. And so I feel really lucky to have gotten in on the ground floor without having to go through a whole match program and, you know, all of, all of the drama and stress that people have to go through now to get a residency. Yeah, that's amazing. Good for you. And you never know until you try, right? So you just... Exactly. Um, I love infectious diseases myself, mostly because, you know, you can actually find ways to treat and cure people rather than have it lingering as a, as a chronic condition. So I think mm -hmm. that's, you know, a really great field. So how did you then go from this field and branch out into other things? Like walk us a little bit through your uh, trajectory of your career. Well, it's certainly not been linear. Um, so <laughs> when I decided to leave the hospital, um, I went to work for Merck as their HIV specialist in North Carolina and wow. very quick. Yeah, HIV was kind of my thing. Um, and that was back when, you know, people were still actually dying of HIV and all of the new meds were coming on board. And so um, I did that and six months into it, I was like, yeah, I don't think I really want to do this. So uh, I went to work at a small community hospital um, as a staff pharmacist and um, got to know one of the oncologists there. And he worked for a very large physician group um, and they wanted to start a clinical pharmacy program. And so he took me out to lunch one day and said, Hey, you want to start this ambulatory care pharmacy <laughs> program for us? I was like, sure, I'll do that. Um, not having a single day of ambulatory care experience in my life, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm all about a, a good challenge. And so we started out with a co-ed clinic and then, um, I grew that to, we were in two cities, six practices. We had four pharmacists and a dietitian, and then it was uh, time to move to Asheville. And so uh, I left that behind and became the manager of outpatient clinical pharmacy services at Mission Hospital here, which included the co-ed clinic, the disease management program, and medication assistance. And so I did that for um, about three years. And in that 
time period, I did a coach training program. Um, we actually put our care managers in disease management through part of the program. And um, I enjoyed it so much that I finished the in entire certification. And in 2011, I wanted to, um, I knew I wanted to start my own business because I wanted more freedom and flexibility. And so um, I put together uh, my business now, which is Dr. Anna Garrett, and it's a virtual uh, online business. And I work with women um, who are going through perimenopause and menopause and offer a, a variety of functional medicine services um, designed to help them balance their hormones and basically achieve the best health that they can. Wow, that is such a great field, and there's so much yeah, to you and your expertise because it seems like you did it all. And actually, a lot of the people that I have as guests on the podcast, you know, they're pharmacists that just like say yes to everything and yeah. buy all the <laughs> opportunities and then end up just starting their own thing and consulting. And it's so great to see that. Well, you know, it's scary, but um, it, it just, I, I'm the kind of person that wants to be able to kind of call my own shots. And so the idea of working for somebody 40 hours a week for the rest of my career just was like not appealing. And I knew that women in that age range um, were not being served well by the traditional medical community. And so um, I knew that I could have an impact on, on them and for them and to help them, you know, feel as good as they could possibly feel going through that transition. And it, it is a very, uh, it, you know, it's less underserved now, but it's back then there was like nobody who was working online and um, women were really frustrated with the care that they were getting from their doctors. And it's, you know, it's not the doctor's fault. They just don't get trained. And um, so I teach them how to advocate for themselves within the medical community and then also have services that are available uh, that they can access. Great. So how did you come to specialize in exactly this field? I know you said because you saw the standard of care was lacking, but is there anything else that made you want to serve this community? And how did you start um, from that coach first coaching program that you had? How did you then expand into functional medicine approaches and advocating and things like that? Well, I, I chose that area for two reasons. Um, well, three. I was my ideal client at the time. Um, I knew they were underserved and I knew that they would pay cash for the services. And so um, to me, that was a really logical place to go because from a marketing messaging standpoint, it was kind of like talking to myself. Yeah. Um, so that, that makes it, you know, a lot easier if you can really relate to who your ideal client is. Um, what I've found over, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years now, almost. Um, what I found was that I really wanted to be able to serve my clients in a, a broader and deeper way because they weren't always getting the outcomes that I wanted them to have just by doing hormone testing and, you know, using supplements and changing their lifestyle around. And so that led me to um, the School of Applied Functional Medicine. And I don't really know how I stumbled across that. Somehow the founders, uh, a video that she did landed in my inbox and I watched it and I was like, oh, this is really cool. So um, I started that in, I guess it was 
2018 and I just started the second semester uh, in the last couple weeks. And so that is allowing me to really um, look at a broader scope of health for my clients. And, and I, I really enjoy it because um, you might have guessed by now I get easily bored with things. <laughs> and so, you know, the doing the same thing over and over again was just not, I mean, it's rewarding, but it, it's not, um, it doesn't really tease my brain as much as mm -hmm. I like to have it stimulated. So uh, that, this has been a great addition um, to my practice. Yeah. They say that people who get easily bored are the perfect, um, you know, they possess the perfect trait to become a successful entrepreneur because you get to wear many different hats and you have to wear them in order to tackle everyday problems. Uh, just because you have your own business to allow for freedom and flexibility doesn't mean it's an easy job. Oh, no. <laughs> well, and there are things that I'm just not good at. I mean, like the technical side of things, um, I'm not good at it. I'm never going to be good at it. And so, you know, I hire people to do those things for me. Uh, because the learning curve and the amount of frustration I would encounter <laughs> along the way is just not worth it um, when I, you know, know people who are able to, to handle that sort of thing for me. So I think that's, that's an important thing to be aware of on, the, on your entrepreneurial journey because I know a lot of pharmacists, um, you know, some of the ones I've, I've coached, I, I help pharmacists start businesses um, from startup. And one of the things that I think pharmacists get caught up in a lot of the time is feeling like they have to be perfect at everything, but really, I mean, your skill set can't be everything, it, you know, unless you're superhuman. And so it's about knowing when to outsource and when, you know, when to pull back and know what your genius work is and, you know, what is it that only you can do? Um, the rest of it can be taken care of by somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. That's great business advice because a person who's running the business needs to have like their personality and their gifts mm -hmm. out there and um, messaging to, to the people about it maybe. But then you can have a marketing team, you could have an IT team and you could have like a whole team to do what you don't need to personally do and outsource those things to make it more cost effective and more profitable. Well, and even with an accounting degree, I have a bookkeeper and a CPA because I would rather do anything than sit down and try to figure out QuickBooks. So I'm <laughs> just not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, you figure out also what you enjoy doing so you can mm -hmm. outsource the stuff that you don't enjoy doing so much. Exactly. So uh, tell us a little bit about how you went from you know, the idea of leaving a you no know, nine to five and starting your own thing to actually putting that plan in action and whether you quit cold turkey or whether you faced your um, work out. I did not quit cold turkey. <laughs> uh, so um, I started out just kind of building the business very slowly. And so I knew what I wanted to offer. And then um, it's like my first client was my trainer and she had had a hysterectomy years before and was having a lot of issues with hot flashes and stuff. And so I said, look, if you buy the test kit, I'll do the interpretation for free. And I don't recommend doing work for free anymore, but that's how I did it. Um, and so she was my first client and then my best friend was my second client and then I was my third client. And so that's kind of how I built it up, but I stayed employed, um, PRN 
in the Coumadin clinic at the hospital. So the department I actually used to run, I ended up working in, but um, it worked out great because the, the whole staff was women and they were all of childbearing age and I was not. And so it was like the ultimate in job security. Um, so I worked two to three days a week. And then in May of 2017, I decided that I really, you know, I could step away from that and just focus on one thing. So um, I think, you know, there some people think that it's either an all or nothing thing and it really isn't. Yeah. You, can, you can start slow and then build along the way. So how do you actually um, conduct an appointment session? And do you typically recommend like a package deal or maybe you have a whole program for people to complete or do you do like also PRN appointments when needed? Yes. <laughs> um, so the thing that, so everything is pretty much a package um, and you can't do the PRN appointments unless you've already been a client and been through one of the packages. So um, I have one package that is hormone testing and there's an, an intake and, you know, we, we do the testing, we get on Zoom and I do the review with them and we go over their, um, their plan and then we do a six week follow up with that. And then from there, we can do an ongoing coaching relationship if that's what they need, or they can do PRN appointments. And then I have a much bigger package that's six months long that looks at hormones and gut health and nutrient deficiencies. And so it, what else does it have in it? Oh, genetics, genetic interpretation. And so it kind of covers the waterfront of everything that I could possibly want to know about somebody. Um, <laughs> And then I also have an account with Ulta Labs. So if I need blood work and they live within driving distance of a Quest Center, I can get blood work. Um, and for that, we talk twice a month and um, I create a very customized plan for them that we implement over that six month period. And then at the end of that, if they want to continue our work together, you know, we do that. Awesome. So how do you actually, besides them mailing out the blood test, how, what are the other ways that they could um, give you those hormone tests and other tests that you may want to examine? So I use the Dutch test, um, which is a dried urine test. And basically it's done in home and they send it to the lab. Um, the GI map test is also an at home test that they send back to that company. Uh, the SpectraCell test does require a blood draw, so they have to take it to, um, uh, I haven't done one yet, so I'm not sure where they have to take that. But anyway, um, and then the genetics, uh, I basically take somebody's raw 23andMe data and run it through a propri proprietary system that I was trained on. And we look at areas like nutrition, genetics, sleep, um, supplementation, detox, uh, athletic performance and hormones. And so I give them, you know, it's an 80 page report, which I do send them, but, but I also do like a two page summary of what really stands out and then the changes they can make to um, either turn up the good genes or dial down the bad ones. Um, so we incorporate all of that and create uh, a personalized wellness plan. Awesome. So it can all be done at home pretty much. Yeah, that's a real yeah. benefit. <laughs> they could do it themselves, and then you guys get together for a visit. Virtual. Mm -hmm. um, great business model for nowadays, too. You don't have to look exactly. <laughs> And I've been doing it for 10 years. But uh, so, I, you know, 
I can, I've taught my weight loss class in Hawaii before and I've done, you know, consults in Costa Rica. And so it's, it's great for me. Wow. That, it, that does sound great. Um, so what do you find to be like a common theme or a trend among your patients when you examine like the blood work and other tests that you may want? Do you find that the tests are, you know, a priority for your toolkit or do you find that the symptoms are enough in some cases to recommend a lifestyle or dietary changes? And so as far as the you know, figuring out the problem. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you figure that the tests are, you know, very effective, an effective tool for you? Or could you maybe make do without testing in some cases? Um, I can. I'm, I'm pretty much, I lean toward the test, don't guess mm -hmm. side of things. Um, but, you know, just being in the School of Applied Functional Medicine, I can now take somebody's basic wellness labs and look at them and go, oh, this is not, it's in the normal range, but it's not in the functionally ideal range um, and, you know, create a plan from that. So it really depends on what somebody's budget is. And there are people who just want to see the data. Um, you know, they, they know that something is off. They've been to their regular medical doctor and been told you're normal and they have, you know, they trust their bodies and know that something is not normal. And um, so I basically will take it anything that they have already from a lab standpoint and go ahead and look at that and then decide from there based on their symptoms and what I'm seeing, what the next best step is. So somebody doesn't have to jump all the way in to, you know, doing all the testing. Um, there are obviously budgetary constraints for people around what doing those labs costs. Um, but I will say at Ulta, I don't know if you're familiar with them or not, their pricing for blood work is, is just amazing. So like a vitamin D level that costs $200 at the doctor's office, $29 at Ulta. So wow. It's, uh, it's really a nice setup for people, especially if they're uninsured. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes <clears throat> you want to go for that service, even if you do have insurance. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so when we're talking about the hormone testing, are you generally looking at estrogen, androgens, progesterone, mm -hmm. or do you also do thyroid or any other kind of adrenal, maybe hormones? Yeah. So um, all of the sex hormones, the androgens, the estrogen, progesterone, and then um, the Dutch test, I real, the reason I like it so much is because it shows the metabolic pathways that the client's body prefers for elimination of those hormones. Um, it also does a really deep dive into cortisol and then also organic acids for some of the B vitamins, um, glutathione, and then uh, three neurotransmitters as well. Um, so it's a really nice picture of you know, how it all fits together and what can be manipulated to get the outcomes that, that the client is seeking. Um, for thyroid, I, I need blood work for that. So there are some things that can be inferred from the Dutch test, but it doesn't have any specific thyroid numbers. So I can do that one of two ways. Ulta Labs has a thyroid panel that they can get, or I can send them um, a blood spot test kit from ZRT. That's who I use if somebody needs the blood spot testing. So um, I have an account with them as well. Great. So in summary, you find the testing to be really helpful mm -hmm. in coming up with a plan for the patient. 
Well, and the symptoms are the most important thing. So that's where I start. And then from there, the testing plan is made. And then I um, often asked, you know, do we retest? And I get, and I have sort of two schools of thought on that. You know, if somebody's getting the outcomes that they want and they're feeling better, then we don't always retest um, because it's not going to change anything about what I would recommend to them. So I want to know that the testing that we do is is actually going to have a benefit and lead me in a certain direction. Um, I don't, I don't want to test just a test yeah. uh, if, it, if it's not going to be um, informative for me and the client. Yeah, that makes sense. So you choose the test based on their initial symptoms that they come to you with. Mm -hmm. And then if they start feeling better, then you don't necessarily retest because you got your to your goal. Right. And then if things start to go sideways in the future, then like I had somebody this week that was like, eh, I think it's time to recheck because, you know, X, Y, and Z is happening. So, mm -hmm. okay, let's do it. So, awesome. um, because unfortunately, as you know, hormones are a moving target. It's not like we take a snapshot and it stays the same. So, um, as they, as our, my clients age, things begin to change again. Yeah. So I love that it's a customized approach using functional medicine, uh, but do you find any commonalities among the women as to what you tend to recommend for them and what types of hormone issues are usually at play? Yeah, so um, my specific focus is perimenopause. Um, and that, uh, I had a very specific reason for picking them because um, they don't generally need prescription products. Now, having said that, oral progesterone comes into play sometimes, and for that, they would. But um, my menopausal people tend to be more likely to need prescription estrogen or testosterone. And because I'm a pharmacist, I can't write those prescriptions without a collaborative practice agreement, which I don't have in the state anymore. Um, but there is so much that can be accomplished in perimenopause with just lifestyle and supplement changes. And so that is why I really micro focused my niche on to perimenopause and then wrote a book. So that, that was really helpful too. Oh, great. So I can include that in the show notes. Um, yes. For more information. On it is. <laughs> Love that title with the symbol. Um, okay. So what, supplements or lifestyle changes would be your go-to's for perimenopausal women? So first of all, um, stop drinking alcohol, possibly stop drinking caffeine and get rid of sugar. And those are the three things that can make the biggest difference when it comes to nutrition. Um, eliminating gluten and dairy can be big for some people. Um, so those are, those are huge. And then sleeping. So most, most of my clients will look at me and go, well, if I could sleep, I would. And I'm like, I understand, <laughs> but you at least need to provide the container to get a decent night's sleep. So, you know, going to bed at 1am and expecting to wake up feeling good at six is, is just not going to happen. But if you have that sort of 10 to six window, when you can allow yourself to rest and wind down, um, that's very helpful. And then stress management is a huge component of what my clients need to focus on. So I have had recently just, I mean, clients with flatline cortisol, clients with it off the charts, it's, it's all over the place. 
Um, so we work a lot on that and uh, adaptogenic herbs and uh, are very helpful for that as well as vitamin B5 and, and vitamin C if the cortisol is really, really low. Uh, what else do I love? Um, I like Vitex a lot for people who have progesterone to estrogen imbalance. That's very helpful along with vitamin C. Um, what else is in my toolbox? B vitamins because uh, stress depletes bees. And if people are on birth control pills or hormone replacement, then their bees are being de depleted in the face of that as well. Um, D and K2, uh, another very common combination. And then magnesium, which has been my personal lifesaver, uh, is something I recommend probably to almost everybody. Awesome. So are most of those available as supplements, mm -hmm. uh, extracts, herbs, uh, tinctures? How do you prefer to um, recommend those? Uh, that is kind of up to the client. So some people don't like the way tinctures taste. Um, so probably not going to go in that direction. But if they don't mind, I, I actually prefer liquids because I think they're better absorbed. Um, it really de just depends on, you know, what I can access. Um, the client preference. I've got a couple people I work with right now, excuse me, that uh, have a fear of swallowing pills. And so that <laughs> presents its own set of challenges. Um, but a lot of the products that I use come in powders. And so we're able to do that or the tinctures. Um, so it just is all over the map, really. Mm, I like powders too, because yeah. the usage is so flexible. And again, it's better absorbed usually than a tablet mm -hmm. capsule. What about topical? Do you find um, a lot of women benefiting from topical applications? Yeah. So I do. Um, there are some over-the-counter estrogen products that I have recommended in the past. Um, I use topical progesterone a lot. I uh, have also re recommended um, vaginal products because that's a route of administration that we sometimes forget about that's actually very good. So the compounded. <laughs> huh? Especially in this case. Yes. Yeah. So my people that can't swallow the progesterone capsules, if that's what their doctor has written for, those can be used vaginally. So, um, yeah, there's just all kinds of ways to do things. Awesome. So what is the overall goal of a client that would work with you? Is it to decrease the symptoms of perimenopause? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Is it to increase quality of life? Like what do you find is, the usual goal that people come to you with? They really just want to feel at home in their bodies again and feel like themselves. Um, that's the most common thing that people will say to me is, I just want to feel like myself again. And usually what has happened in that case is they've stopped sleeping. So that, you know, right out of the gate, that just completely interrupts that feeling of well-being when you can't get a good night's sleep. And then generally the other thing that's common is the progesterone and estrogen are out of balance. So we fix that. That takes care of hot flashes and night sweats. Um, and then when they clean up their diet, they just feel so much better. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I want to feel, I want to feel like myself again. That's, that's the main goal. And what's your take on women that let's say have passed perimenopause and have gone into menopause? Uh, do those women, benefit from estrogen and progesterone balancing or at that point do you just kind of help them go into menopause without um 
adding any extra hormones into the mix? Well, again, it really depends on what they're experiencing. So everybody can benefit from cleaning up their lifestyle. So we definitely do that. Um, it is very possible, even in menopause, to still have a situation of estrogen dominance because we're exposed to so many compounds that look like estrogen from the environment and because fat tissue makes its own estrogen, it's still not unusual to see the levels be low, but they still are out of balance with each other. And so those women can benefit from, um, from some supplementation uh, with progesterone. And then if they've got issues like uh, vaginal dryness, um, you know, that responds well to vaginal estrogen, and there, there are a couple of over-the-counter products that I think are just that people have had great success with that aren't estrogen um, for vaginal dryness. So one of them's a hyaluronic acid, and the other one is a combination of uh, different herbals, and then it's got DHEA in it, which is the, the active ingredient, and it's called Julva, G-U-L-V-A, and it was uh, created by an OBGYN, so I've recommended that quite a bit. Um, when it comes to hot flashes and things like joint pain, uh, sometimes prescription estrogen is, is just the way to go to restore somebody's quality of life. And so, you know, I spend a lot of time talking about the studies with estrogen and the risks and the benefits. And, you know, people still, even though it's been 18 years since the Women's Health Initiative study came out, there's still that, you know, that idea that estrogen causes cancer and it's prevalent in the lay pe lay population and it's still prevalent in the physician population. And so there's still this need to try to shift that thinking around. Um, so, cause there's all kinds of confusion. <laughs> it's just yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> so do you find that women can benefit from indefinite supplementation with progesterone and estrogen, or is there a limit to how, how much it could help? Well, in 2017, um, they changed the guidelines. The North American Menopause Society changed their guidelines based on studies that, that had come out since the previous set, which um, you know what the date of that was. But um, now they recommend that you can continue hormone supplementation um, as long as it's needed for symptom control. And given that there's some data coming out about uh, low estrogen and dementia risk, um, you know, the positive effects of estrogen on bone health, on cardiovascular health, there's no longer this, oh, you can't take it any longer than five years um, thinking. So as long as you start it within 10 years of uh, menopause or under the age of 60, um, it's you basically can, can can continue it for as long as it's needed. All right. Well, thank you so much for clarifying some of these questions. And also thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. If you have just a few more minutes, I have some rapid fire questions for us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, number one, what is your advice for pharmacy students or pharmacists that want to also quit the nine to five and start their own thing? Um, do it. Uh, <laughs> don't, and don't expect to get it right, right out of the gate. And so um, I would also say, find yourself a mentor who has done the thing 
preferably somewhere in the area uh, that you want to practice in um, to, to help guide you. And I would also say, uh, I know this is a rapid fire question, but it's getting long. Um, <laughs> to make sure that you try to narrow your, your focus of the population you want to work with down as much as you can, because you can't market to everybody. And if you try to, you just confuse people. So spend some time thinking about, you know, who does it really light you up to work with? Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to do geriatrics. I'm very clear about that. I don't want to do pediatrics. I'm very clear about that. I really, really enjoy working with the age of women that, that are my clients. Yeah. So it's like finding that ideal client, mm -hmm. finding a specialty area that you can excel at. Exactly. Um, yeah. Perfect. So number two, how can listeners improve their life right now? Like what's the number one thing that they could do to start to see an improvement in quality of life? In their professional quality of life? No, just health in general. Uh, oh, um, manage your stress. Uh, put your life under a microscope and look at what you need to say no to because you cannot say yes to everything because you just end up completely stressed out. So leave some what I call white space on your calendar just for you to, you know, just be. Don't try to do all the time. Spend some time being. Yeah, I love that. And no could be very powerful because you're making space for what you actually want to do and say yes to. Absolutely. Um, you know, when you say yes to something, you're saying no to yourself. Um, and so there's a book called, um, take time for your life by Cheryl Richardson. And in that book, she talks about the concept of, uh, making a list of your absolute yeses in your life, which should be no more than about five things. Um, and I have found this to be a really, really helpful tool because if something is not on your absolute yes list and it doesn't fit, then it's a no. And it makes saying no so much easier. And the more you say no, the easier it gets. So it's hard at first, especially if you've been used to saying yes to everything and trying to serve everybody but yourself. Yeah. Um, so that's a great book that I recommend to people. I love that. I've suffered from indecisiveness myself for a long time. So it's just like training that muscle that now you can define what is yes, what is a no. And the more you practice that muscle, the clearer it will get. Well, and sometimes it's not even about indecision. It's about trying to be a people pleaser. And, um, you know, those are two very, very different things. But, you know, it's about knowing yourself well enough to know, am I trying to please everybody? And you just can't. Yeah. And people take advantage of that. Once they identify you as somebody who always says, yes, you are the first person they come to. Yeah, so. I've been guilty of that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's uh, your favorite pastime or hobby? Um, I like hiking in the mountains. I like cooking and I like to play golf Nice and read. Love that. Hang out with my husband and my dog. Very nice. Nature is our friends and mm -hmm. so are our animals <laughs> and husbands too. <laughs> Why not? Um, all right. What is your favorite beverage to drink? <laughs> Do you really <laughs> want to know? <laughs> Red or white wine and I'm not picky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a fun one i love hearing the answers to these things um all right lastly dr anna garrett please tell our audience how they can get in touch with you or learn more about your work and what is your overall mission with your business 
Um, so I can be reached at info at dranagarrett.com or uh, through my website, which is dranagarrett.com. Um, we'll also have some links to, I have a private Facebook group. I've got all kinds of things. So um, we'll post some of those. And then um, what was the last, what was the last question? What is your mission <laughs> of your business? My mission is to help women in midlife rock their mojo through midlife and beyond. I like it. <laughs> awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll have those links posted. Thank you again so much for your time. And You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the rest of your day and your week. Thank you. You too. Stay safe. Take care. As always, please send any questions, inquiries, requests to me. My email is marina at rawfork.com or just go on my website, rawfork.com. Leave me a note there. Thank you and have a great week ahead.